0: Welcome to Recruiting Daily's Use Case Podcast, a show dedicated to the storytelling that happens. (laughs) Or should happen when practitioners purchase technology each episode is designed to inspire new ways and ideas to make your business better as we speak with the brightest minds in recruitment in hr tech that's what we do here's your host william Tincup.
1: ladies and gentlemen this is william Tincup, and you're listening to the use case podcast today we have robert on from knowledge as a service that's k-a-a-s and his product is RingRing. And so we're going to be talking a little bit about CAS and also a little about the product ring and uh, he'll explain those things to us. Robert, would you do us a, a favor, the audience a favor, and introduce both yourself, and let's start with CAS and, uh, and then the product ring Yeah,
0: thank you. Uh, knowledge as a Service, or CAS as we call it for short, is uh, it's out to transform the way learning sciences are made use of through technology, uh, usually in large-scale enterprises. And, uh, and there was a product that we brought to market called Ringarang, which is a play on the word boomerang. And the idea is you're using this software to send out bite-sized pieces of information or requests for action from learners, oh, which cool. are typically the employees of a large-scale enterprise, right? And then it comes back with data on what they know or don't know about it to keep that loop going.
1: So uh, a couple of years ago, we kind of got into micro learning. Uh, some yeah. of the water cooler stuff that was lost. And this is way before COVID, of course. But mm-hmm. some of the water cooler stuff that was lost or some of the institutional knowledge or learning that was lost. And so, and also people's probably attention span. And you sure. know, it turns out people are bi- busy and ADHD and all these other things, like ca- ca- caffeinated, whatever. <laughs> um, so probably a lot of things contributed to this. But uh, so this is kind of micro learning but on steroids, because you're casting out and then essentially verifying, uh, validating in some way, do you know this? Do you not know this? Do you want to know more about this, et cetera?
0: Yeah, well said, because it, it is a two-way experience. The micro learning is definitely a format that we have. Right. We also use gamification in there to make it oh, welcome cool. in the person's life, right? And uh, we were actually one of the pioneers. When we developed Ringarang, we did this long before knowledge as a service was around. We, were, we just didn't have a business model. It was to, we were one of the early pioneers in uh, 2007 of app-based gamification and micro learning. But what we didn't have at that time was how to get the feedback loop. So you, right. were, you were bringing back around what people needed to know and, and then what was working and not working. Right. So you could change it in real time.
1: What's, you put a little machine learning, and a little AI behind that, or underneath the hood of that, and then it learns what the people are learning. And as they're learning, and again, you know, everyone's, you know, everyone's got their own journey, right? So every employee's got their own journey, and you don't want to assume that they know certain things because they've been in certain meetings or on certain projects. So yep. this is just a great way of closed loop to find out what they know. But also, you know, there's what I, what I love about it is what the uh, engagement industry went through years ago from going from a once a year employee satisfaction survey, which is really boring mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. more of a pulse survey right. kind of approach, you know, one question a day, three questions a week, you know, you could set all that, the velocity at different, at different points. But the idea was we're going to have a more of a finger on the pulse right. of what's actually going on. And you all have, y'all have done you've 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 really made that easier for people in the learning training development learning world to then find out what what our people actually know yeah. what, maybe even possibly what do they want to know or you know what yeah. do they want to know more about and so yeah. you can yeah. even unlock some of the uh, the learning that they'd like to do
0: yeah and made made that easier and also made it scalable which is really the key here right so how, how do you take that across a large-scale organization where all the different divisions get siloed right so pe- the, the our job here that, that we're doing is to pull together the philosophy of each organization that is our customer to understand that that people are people first of all and there are some right. fundamentals among all people in your organization that you can you can access that will have them, feel empowered when they get education delivered to them in a way that works. Uh, and if there's the opposite is unfortunately most often true, which is that you're, you're delivering training right. uh, in a way that is not empowering because it doesn't actually align with the way our brains work. You know, We're just dumping information on us or spraying it at us like a fire hose. And we're expected to retain some of it because we tested out positive and we got it, someone ticked the box that we finished our training absolutely absurd you know there's no 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 one on earth has ever learned anything that way um but it's it's where we it's the
1: norm that we're now breaking yeah well and it what's what's interesting is is uh again older models kind of yeah. the, the things that we grew up with uh, classroom environment teacher at the at the front of the room kind of the bully yeah. pulpit etc and that works for some folks um well, well
0: think about this william it works in a classroom basically <laughs> Because you come Good back point. to the classroom every day, right? Right.
1: But you can't do that in a corporate setting. Yeah. And if if you do, you're you're not doing your job because exactly. turns out you you have this other thing that you have to actually. The company's paying you to do. Yeah. Um, and you know that doesn't take into account like learning differences and learning styles and all this other stuff that's really interesting. Um, what do you see? What do you see with your clients in terms of linkages with? you know, all the things that we know, are, or maybe even some of the things that we're starting to learn about the skills gap? Oh,
0: well, the, the, the problems that they I mean, well, l- let me start from the end in mind here that what, what each of these companies are trying to do is become experts at reskilling or upskilling in some right. way, right? Because right. I think that's considered the solution to the problem in, in a way. But uh, if you work backwards from there, what, what really is reskilling and upskilling is it's, it's it's trying to figure out how to take some group of learners. Usually it's internal to the organization, not external and right. help repurpose them, you know, from one area to another. And the, the, uh, the problem again, there is scale. So you, if you have uh, a subject matter expert on one particular, let's take a simple one. It's uh, coding, right? Let's say somebody is a coder on iOS, Apple and you find a skill adjacency for them in Java. So you wanna move them to code over there um, so that you can start filling a gap. Well, what you need is a subject matter expert and what are they gonna do? They're gonna build a course and the person's gonna go through the same traditional modes that everybody goes through that don't work. And so what you have is an inefficiency that you're fighting against, but because it's a norm, you don't really know how to do it differently. The best that, unfortunately, companies have come up with outside of the technology we've introduced is, well, they might do something like microlearning, for example. Right. And microlearning does make it better. Right. Um, and gamification, that might make it more interesting. Okay, that now makes it a little better. You might have some one-on-one tutorials or coaching, and that definitely makes it better. You can never beat that. But what doesn't happen is they haven't figured out how to put it at scale so that you could have reskilling across an organization. Short of let's say sending them to a, a canned course online, right, right?
1: So I can see Ring, Ring as being sold into the organization as you know, kind of a DEI product, kind of to to rise uh, rise all boats, uh, engagement product. Uh-huh. Um, I can see it, you know, an employee experience retention culture training and development. Like I can see many doors huh right <laughs> right. so where do your what are your customers when you you know when you're talking to them where do they what line item of the budget are they going to uh, you know I'd say steal from this not not the right word, but how do they appropriate the the money or the funds to then fund ring around? Uh, how do they fund it initially?
0: yeah, I mean it's it's the question and it's the one that really hits the sweet spot for your podcast, of course too, which is the use case and who's making it right right. Um, so it's it's interesting. All of those categories you mentioned are all ones where doors and windows get opened up for us. And like, hey, let's start using ring for D, I, and B, for example. Right. But but also now think of it from our perspective as a business model. We found where we go is where the money is helping us build our organization and traction. Right. And that usually is in sales enablement. Oh, it's, nice. It's sales enablement. Think about it. That's where obviously the companies care most about the performance of their people and what that gets to here. What's different about our product is it is really a human performance technology. It's not a learning technology. Now, better better learning is an outcome that you get from Mm -hmm. using Bringer, but it's not the target. The target is how do you measurably have your people perform in the way that the organization needs them to perform? And of course, sales, that's where they care most about.
1: Could they see it as a a historically as a performance management? Mm, That's not that's not going to work either. Um, It's a good
0: question, though you're getting at it. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Because it it helps performance, but they're not really you're not really there to manage. The historically the way that performance management tools have been used is more of lording over people. This is more this is truly enabling success.
0: So well said. It's exactly. It's like flipping that 180 degrees. What, okay, so historically, I'll, I'll, I'll unpack that even a little further if I may. You got on one side of, let's say you've got two very distant points in an organization. One of those is performance, and the technologies around that are usually like performance enablement, performance management. And they right. do tend to be like, are we ticking all the boxes from an HR perspective? <laughs> and if not, we'll put them on a PMP. Right, 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 and right. It just feels really consequential and awful. <laughs> Yeah. Like, and, or, and also out in that world of it's, it's like- It's punitive. You know, yeah, it's punitive. So it's an ugly cultural- Right. Uh, un, you know, it's just unfortunate and everyone knows it as a norm. But then you also have other performance softwares like CRMs, like, like Salesforce.com that aren't right. necessarily punitive. They're, they are enabling, but they're not learning. They're, they're performance oriented, which is fine. Uh, but over here, way off in the distance is this other area, which is what we call learning. In an organization. It's training. And the, the, those two worlds have no connection to each other. Zero in any organization I've been into with more than 50 employees. They, it, over here is training. And what happens is this, someone from the performance side, let's say it's a sales manager, since we're talking about sales, they'll lob a request over to the learning group, like L&D, right? right. And say, hey, um, I need a training so what does L&D do? They go, yeah. well, well, we need a subject matter expert. And performance goes, well, we, we don't really have the time to lend you that right now. We're sneeze are all really busy. Okay, yeah. six weeks later, they're finally starting to get someone on the calendar. And they just said, look, we got to get this training off. Just give us some materials. So they give the learning designers some materials. They, they, they punch out a learning. Uh, they do some design. They get a course done. They cycle people through it, tick the box, send them back out to the front line. Zero attribution. As to whether or not their performance is in any way correlated to what they just learned, zero. Right. So, what is learning and development is purely a cost center, and it's a it's a, it's like a a, a must-have. You've got to go through it. But from a C, CFO perspective, they're like, "Why am I spending on this?" That's right. There's no alternative.
1: Well, and, and what's interesting is you know from a compliance perspective, when you have compliance training. That's, that's a completely different thing. Cause that's risk mitigation, you know? And so CFOs can see it there because it's like, okay, I spend this so that I don't get punished for that. That's fine. Have a regulator
0: kick my butt. Right. Exactly.
1: Yeah. It, it, this is, this is completely opposite. I want to, you know, Don Rumsfeld famously has this uh, knowns and unknowns bit, which is pure comedic genius uh, in my opinion. Um, but I don't think he meant it that way, but it, it actually came out that way. Um I'm fascinated to learn like what shocks practitioners about you know, what their people either know and maybe even know deeper than they might have imagined or what they don't know.
0: Yeah. And so give me an example of like a practitioner. Let's do a profile.
1: So let's do the sales enablement. So you got a sales leader, uh, you know, the CRO and thinks, okay, all my, all my, <laughs> Surely all my folks know, all my BDRs know to make, you know, 100 calls a day, you know, or whatever the bid is or tactics, you know, and so they cast it out as as ring-a-ring, they cast it out as something, uh, something to learn, and they're shocked by maybe that their folks didn't know that.
0: Well, okay, so with every type of training program, there's always something like that. So I'm su- I'm, I'll speak generally for just a second, and then sure. we'll go to the sales manager. Generally, there are always surprises. Uh, you, you put out some event, and then you do a survey or a test afterwards, and, and there's always going to be a surprise. Well, gosh, I thought they got that as a test, yeah. and, and they didn't, right? But ring-a-ring, we unearth those on a daily basis because just it's amazing what people uh, who design a program think is getting across. Right. Oh, right. But then, getting specifically to the profile you just mentioned, let's say it is a CRO, so a Chief Revenue Officer, is uh, is assuming that there are certain activities of their sales organization that are working. So that's right. certain kinds of activity in Salesforce.com, uh, certain uh, number of requests to re-up, you know, from their customers, certain uh, amount of uh, uh, new new accounts in the pipeline. come in and those are like the metrics they're working on if they're a good organization they've at least got those kinds of metrics going right what they don't know is something first on the general side it's amazing they don't know that um they don't know actually what habits have to be taken on by the humans in order to get them those metrics right and this is this is so fundamental when you think about it but but if I unpack it just a little further, you're going to get why this is so, it, it's, it's ridiculous, but it's deadly. Uh, it's ridiculous that it exists, that wouldn't you think that if you needed to get somebody across a goal line in a football game, they got to go run across to the, the end zone. Well, what habit does that person need to have? Well, they need to have some sort of habit that relates to how they juke and turn and pass and catch and everything in order to be able to get out there. It, you can kind of break it down in your head, even if you didn't know football. Right. But but in the sales organization, what does your person need to know how to do or what do they need to believe or what do they need to to remember in order to give you those active measures? More more pipeline, more Salesforce activity, you know, more re-ups from customers. They don't break it down. So what we do in our organization, I'm sorry, with our software is that we give that CRO and anybody who else is a stakeholder or SME in there. A 90-minute session, and this is part of the proposition that we offer them in the first place, we say, look, you've got to let your organization know that in 90 minutes, you will be able to shake out clearly one-to-one correlation between your business goal, which let's say is 10% increase of sales of this uh, in a quarter. I'm just making that up. Right. How do you reverse engineer that through attitude, skill, and knowledge habits? ASK. It's a method we have called the ask methodology. And in 90 minutes, they got it laid out in the software, drag and drop simple. And from there, every bit of dripped content and interactions and feedback, et cetera, all directly lead to the achievement of those goals. And you measure that it's been done.
1: And it was aptitude or attitude? Attitude. attitude so we found I that so. that's
0: actually the key too. that gateway is everything. And it almost so- never shows up in a training.
1: So, do you do you think at one point you'll be sitting on enough data to where you can actually screen for ask, yeah, uh, for candidates for job candidates? So, and in any given position, right? So, take that BDR position. And they, they either have the aptitude, you know. I guess skills can be trained upon, and and knowledge can be trained upon, but they, you know, you're going to know especially success, because you're drawing, you're, you're drawing a dot to dot connection between those things and success, you're going to know kind of what the DNA of a successful BDR. And I'm just using BDR as an example, but really sure. any position you'll, you'll know what those things are. Do you think that at one point this becomes a product on the front end of, of hiring?
0: Yeah, it's really great. Very on the court kind of
1: question there.
0: That exactly. Right now we're, we're, as we're starting, we've been so horizontal, we're now starting to go deep in areas like sales enablement, right? And with some of these like fortune 50 companies. So that's helping us to build out more of the profile of of what's needed, right? And down the road, so you mentioned also data mining or AI and machine learning, right? So the data mining uh, that we're actually starting to put into more active use at the end of this year is so that we can go through a trajectory of what we think is gonna be about three years of, of really mining for what makes the difference across right. de- different segments of business sizes, uh, business by industry, right. and, and by businesses by discipline. Right, right.
1: Because yeah. again, there's going to be a DNA for the, take that sales you know, situation. There's going to be s- software sales or technical sales versus pharmaceutical yeah. sales. So okay. if you know the DNA of, uh, of Ask... For yep. those folks, then and, and again cast at large, medium or small enterprise, and again, you could even break that up into international and all kinds of other ways so I, I love that who who manages uh, ring rain for the organization again, it gets I would assume that this is probably depending on where it's placed, but uh, who's making the levers who's who's pulling the levers? Yeah, boy, it's a great question.
0: This is a, when we when we first started this, we were we were pretty service heavy, and so we, right. we almost entirely had to manage it for the organization. Right yeah. a couple of years ago, when we formed Knowledge as a Service, it was because we had made the effort to overhaul it and embed all of the methodologies and services into the product itself as software as a service. So now it it is a drag and drop simple tool set um, that has some different areas that can be managed conceivably by different parts of the organization, some on the front lines of performance, some over in the L&D, right. but, but we've made it such that literally any one person could manage the entirety of the effort. So where does it usually, it usually gets bought by the, uh, the performance, whatever the performance group is, if right. where it's a project that's around change. So it's it's going to be sponsored by someone who's director or VP level of sales. They're going to have somebody on in the sales organization that's doing the monitoring, but they invariably are going to turn the software around to their L and D organization. Say, I need the yeah. uh, I need you to have learning designers involved in building the.
1: Content. And they're going to want to be involved. I that's mean, that's right. this is this is this is this actually helps them justify the. <laughs> the yeah, well, yeah, of course. Yeah. But, <laughs> and it's not. It's not. It's in no way a hard leap
0: for a learning designer or no. an ID to, no. to move into what we do. Although it does invert it a little bit. I will. It suggest. does. Sometimes, sometimes they go into it and they're like, "Wait a second, this is backwards." And you go, "Yeah, but just yeah. imagine it's backwards for a moment. You're going to yeah. appreciate." It.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's okay though. And again, it's the more adaptive uh, training and yep. development, learning and development, CLOs. Um, those folks are going to get it and get it immediately. And go, you know what? This just helps us justify our spend and justify our existence and all of those yep. other things. They're not going to be a. They're going to be not going to fear it. They're gonna. They're gonna. They're gonna fall in love with it. Um, yeah. Yep. Take me into the demo for just a second. Oh, actually, let me go back to certification real quick. So yep. as you. As you release the product with a company, if not now, do you see it as a kind of a part of you future of certifying users or admins to make sure that they really fundamentally know how to really, really leverage uh, RingRing?
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's something we have in the works right now, um, and Sweet. we've been we've been very fortunate to have. Uh, enterprises of the size that we have. There's one in particular, uh, that's a, a fortune 50 tech company that has gone a quite a distance with us to help form the capability around this. So it's not just software, nice. but like there's a whole human resource capability end to end. And that that's now what the thing we're starting to put some certification muscle to.
1: I think I, I think it's a great thing. And, and also you can use Ring-a- ring inside of that, you know, for all of your, let's say admins, you can yeah. be, be, you know be also making sure that they understand as new features and new product new things happen with the product you're making sure that their skill level and knowledge level is also increasing so that they can then release that on their organization so exactly and they become ambassadors too yeah. which is great because they you know as new things come up they say you know what?
0: we should put it into this mode they, we should ring a ring that that's and right turn it into a verb
1: yeah well that's 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 the that's the goal. And and again, this is this is uh I think it also makes sense for the talent, you know. Uh you know, I think it makes sense for um, both my kids are, are Gen Z. And you know, they grew up with that little X in the corner of everything in their life. So, like, if it's yeah, right. if <laughs> a funny way to say it. <laughs>
0: universal <laughs> X in the corner.
1: Yeah, universal X. Like, that's a conversation. That's a, yeah, whatever. There's an X in the corner of whatever they do. And you know what? If you're not hitting it, they'll X out of it. It's it's funny because we think you know, you look at the attention span of millennials and Gen Z and There's much, much research around how there's, you know, a shortage, you know, for about an average of four seconds of, of attention span that was lost. But what most people will misdiagnose is that they just make decisions faster.
0: Yeah, really good that you say that. It's that's so true. I mean, there was Microsoft Canada did this study about five years ago where yep. they came up with that, you know, we reduced our attention span to lower than that of a goldfish. And I was like, <laughs> how did they measure the goldfish? That's yeah. what I'm you yeah. know. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> he, yeah. He I, told I them really what's that?
1: <laughs> I said he told them. <laughs> yeah, they're right.
0: <laughs> give give the give the goldfish an X in the corner. See what he does. Yeah, <laughs> but the uh, be, being able to look at it as no, there's it's a decision making rigor that yeah. we we in in our science um, the underpinnings of Ringarang is it, it boils it down to two principles, two human factors. Let's call it. One of them is repetition, mm-hmm. and we all know this. You know. Practice makes permanent. Over time, the brain just needs to have neural connections strengthened by repetition. The second is reward. We're making risk-reward decisions at every moment in micro moments of our day. and We don't even know that's what we're doing. Right. And, but uh, I think the next generation is able to do this at such an accelerated rate right. uh, in risk-reward. And we, may, we can argue up and down whether or not they're making good risk rewards. Doesn't oh, yeah. matter. you're There's...
1: just making them faster.
0: That's right. Yeah. It's just a diff it's a. it's like we're in a new era of this modality.
1: Yes. Which which serves, you know, especially the future of ring rant serves it well because this is served up in a way content learning is served up in a way and uh to then fund, it suits their interests. it suits them as well it's like okay you either know this or you don't if you don't great let's learn it if you do if you do know it great checkbox done move on to the next thing like
0: yeah it's right that, and, and you know what it's there's a bit of a religion around it where we say only only deliver one thing at a time mm-hmm. do not deliver two ideas in one 100%. interaction. And by doing that, we found, we actually took this through clinical trials for years with the federal government. We had national labs and universities working on this. And and we found after five years of this, there was this this mode of just one thing that you want a person to think about or do for a minute or less is all that you can expect the brain to put its attention on. As soon as you expand to ideas,
1: you you, you put it at risk. It's uh, the myth of of multitasking. Um, It is a myth, right. But what's what's also fascinating about that from a research perspective is that's multivariable analysis, right? So whenever you do multivariable analysis, you don't know if, was it this or was it that? Like, what were they answering, you know? But if it's singular, you know. Like multiply now,
0: that by the
1: 74 things you want someone to remember out of a course. they just. That's did. right. That's, <laughs> you just see how broken you just know. I mean, what's it, you just see how broken everything untenable. is. <laughs> it is, it is, it is. I mean, we're doing with high school education all the way, all the way throughout. Uh-huh. Um, two things last and really quickly. One is, is what is that aha moment or p- things during the demo that people just fall in love with? You know, what's
0: it's, I've never been asked that before, except internally here at in my company. I love that you're asking this. All right. You'll get a kick out of how simplistic it is. Um, there is a first, there's this kind of like heart swell, I'll yeah. call it, that you get when they see the methodology um, in the demo. Because when you first just look at the app and you show what the user experience is, like, oh, okay, that's yeah, fun, cool. cool. But, it's, but it seems deceptively simple. Right. It, what's behind the scenes, then they see the methodology and they go, oh, that's cool. There's this heart swell that happens. But the aha moment happens when you actually go to the interface and they create an attitude habit and they, with their cursor, drag it underneath a business goal. So it nests underneath it. Just that literally that move makes them go,
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is the alignment we've all been talking so about for... and it's just
0: that they get to see it and they get to do it themselves yeah exactly right it's it's a fascinating it's a hundred percent of the time that that aha moment is right there
1: favorite customer uh favorite customer story or most freezing recent no names of course just yeah, yeah. kind of your favorite thing that you've seen a customer do uh with with ring ring and you're like wow that's cool
0: okay well this couldn't be more recent because this happened on Thursday. <laughs> uh, favorite one ever just happened. And, and it is with our, our this aforementioned Fortune 50 tech company. They have been working with us for now almost going on three years just before we formed CAS. Uh, and it was really around their interest that we formed Knowledge as a Service. They, they have been working on trying to transform the thinking of it being a learning tool to being a human performance technology for the right. business, right? And that's, you know, it's taken some obstacle course running to get them there. And a lot of, you know, building the case and bringing in a lot of sponsors and helping them see the tests and how it works, right? Well, finally, on Thursday, there was one more decision maker who really was kind of serving as a little bit of a skeptic off the side uh, on, on a big decision this was a decision to take on our software as a fully integrated, fully branded enterprise level software that will be integrated with their systems, et cetera. The decision had to get past this one guy and this guy at a VP level, everybody else came in. There were sponsors in the organization and they kind of made their pitch. They talked about the the use cases. They talked about the uh, successes we'd had so far and then where the future was. And right, right in the middle of the conversation, this, skeptic sponsor stopped the conversation and he said wait a second this meeting was teed up to be something different and everyone kind of said well what do you mean he said i was told that we were going to look to see if we wanted to continue with the technology and expand it a little further and buy (laughs) some more licenses and stuff and he said instead he goes I get what this, this is an entire transformation as to how we do learning all together in the organization of wow. 300,000 employees. And, and we all just stopped stunned and say, did he just sell himself on what this is? Yes. <laughs> can we, it. It can we stop the meeting it. now? <laughs> I know exactly. I mean, like, I was like, please, everyone just shut up and let him talk. That's you know,
1: good. <laughs> Get out he, of the way
0: it was poetic. I mean, I just, you know, from someone who's an entrepreneur who's wanted people to really get the groundbreaking, what we're doing. That was, that was a pinnacle moment in my career.
1: The light light bulb actually went off. Went off. (laughs) Yeah. You got to actually see it, which is amazing. Um, Robert, thank you for carving out time. Thank you for explaining both knowledge as a service, of course, but also ring a ring as a product. Love what you're doing. You're completely you know, you're, you're just innovating something that's needed to be innovated in a, for a very long time. So thank you so much for carving out time for us.
0: Oh, you bet, William. Thanks for the
1: appreciation and thanks for, for the venue. Absolutely. And thanks for everyone listening to the Use Case Podcast. Until next time.
0: You've been listening to Recruiting Daily's Use Case Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite platform and hit us up at recruitingdaily.com.